0: welcome back to real faith conversations and in this show we try to talk about life culture and faith in the most genuine way possible my name is ryan morris and i'm here with chris macero the director of mission advancement at biking for babies and today we're going to be diving into who who he is and what biking for babies does in this great community we have here so welcome chris
1: thanks ryan it's good to be with you thanks for having me on the show
0: yeah, it's so great to see you here, and really see you in person, because we've been communicating online, True. like over email and things like about that, but it's about a month trying to get you on the show here, yeah. um, and I'm so glad you reached out. Why don't you introduce yourself for our audience here?
1: Sure, yeah, so my name's Chris, like you said, I'm, I'm from Coatesville, I'm from right down the road, um, so I went to Ireland to the Rosary Parish, for those of those, the listeners that are in the area, maybe parishioners here at St. Peter's. Um, So from the other side of Coatesville, and I grew up there, I was born technically in Westchester, but I lived my whole life basically in Coatesville, with the exception of two years that I spent in Tennessee. Um, And most recently in my life, prior to to this job that I have with Biking for Babies, I was in the seminary for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia for a while. Um, Wow. So yeah, spent a time in a number of places around the diocese and had a, an incredible experience for sure, but just decided this past May to to leave the seminary and kind of move in a different direction. and that's when I came across this job. So
0: wow, and that's something I actually just learned right now. How yeah, about it? Yeah How long were you in the seminary? <laughs> Six years? Six years. So
1: I know well Father Dave O'Brien, and I wow. glanced that way because I see his pictures on the on yeah. the shelf over Three there. Years. Yeah, yeah, good Yeah, friends with Dave. Yeah. Very, very good. He's a good man. Yeah. He's been in that seat. I'm sure he has. (laughs) I saw the, I saw one of the the YouTube videos of that just the other day. So yeah, it's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Dave, well, Father Dave, he's loved around here. I'm sure he is. Yeah.
1: (laughs) There's no question. He's loved everywhere he goes. He's the the man. Yeah. So
0: cool. Well, thank you for that introduction. Um, it's cool to see that kind of dynamic, right? Um, your journey, why don't you dive into your journey, your personal sure. journey a little bit? You touched on it with the seminary and then going into biking for babies, but can you elaborate sure, on that? Sure, absolutely, anyway? yeah. So I um, I guess maybe it's good to say I,
1: I was raised in, in a Catholic home, but a Catholic home where we we went to Sunday Mass, and that was pretty much it. So I went to Sunday school. I didn't go to Catholic school. In fact, the seminary was the first Catholic school I'd ever been to. And uh, so I I really just didn't have a whole lot of exposure to the faith when I was younger, but I went to a youth group when I was in high school at Our Lady of the Rosary Parish in Coatesville. And it, it connected me to, to enough of an extent with the faith and with my relationship with God and my relationship with other people who also had a relationship with God that when I got to college, which is at Westchester University, I wanted to go around the Newman Center. Mm-hmm. And so I did, um, but definitely struggled while I was in school too. I, I sort of lived a double life in some ways. And then when I got to be a senior... I, some things just kind of changed circumstances in my life with the group of friends that I had outside of the Newman Center. And things were just, yeah, in shift and in flux. And it really meant that I found that I was really only comfortable and I was only, I felt fulfilled in a lot of ways when I was at the Newman Center. Wow. And so when I was a senior, I started to go there more often. And I began to like. I joined a Bible study. I went on retreats with them. That was the first year I went to the March for Life. First year I went on a service trip with the Newman Center. So a lot of firsts in my final year at college, and it really started to change me in a lot of ways. And uh, that aspect of trying to, of living like a double life was beginning to be purified, which was great. Yeah. And um, so when I got to when I finished college, I was preparing to go to graduate school which is when I went to Tennessee. So I went to graduate school for medical physics and I studied physics as an undergrad. Medical physics is kind of like radiation therapy kind of stuff. Physicists do a lot of work with machines that are used to treat patients who have cancer often. And um, so I went to Vanderbilt University down in Tennessee and a couple weeks before I left in August to move down there, I started praying a rosary novena, which you may have heard of like these 54 day rosary novenas, maybe some of our listeners have as well. And um, I, I was actually asked to do that by a girl that I was dating at the time. And it was just a really beautiful experience because it, it really had a profound impact on me. And in the very middle of the novena, so day 27, I had this experience at Mass when I was at the cathedral in, in Nashville. And I was like at daily Mass. It was a Thursday, August 29th, 2013. I know the date. And I uh, just had this pretty profound experience of the reality and the presence of God and I call that moment the invasion of grace, because that's really kind of how it feels to me. Looking back on it in that moment, I felt like my soul had been invaded by His grace, and it really, really radically changed me. And uh, a lot of the things that I cared about prior to that, I they weren't all that important to me anymore, and I began to structure my life around how I could go to Mass and spend time in the chapel praying, and praying the rosary, and serving the poor, and um yeah, helping out with youth groups and praying out front of abortion clinics and things like that. Um, stuff that I really hadn't done a whole lot of suddenly became just like the most important thing to me. And it really started, not just a desire, but actually acting on that desire really started to have an impact on me and change yeah. me in some, some pretty awesome ways. And <clears throat> I, uh, around that same time, like that fall of 2013, started to think about the priesthood for the first time. I'd never, I'd been asked twice by the chaplain at the Newman Center at Westchester if I thought about it. My answer was immediately no. And, <laughs> They're uh, on you all the time, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, but I, but I really started to give it some thought at that point. And so I stayed where I was in Nashville for another two years. I was supposed to be there for four to get a doctorate in medical physics, but I left after two so that I could come back here to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. to the area at least, and, and enter the seminary. And that was six years ago now wow. um, that I entered. So, yeah, seminary. I mean, it's been a beautiful experience for sure, and pretty pro. Just has changed me in in some really remarkable, awesome ways, without a doubt. It's tough because, like, yeah, the story just continues, you know. And it's yeah. it's not like it's over. Most people when they share their vocation story when seminarians are asked to. It often stops when they get to the seminary, but it's not really true. You Like it's like always it's continuing at yeah, that point. Never ending and
0: journey. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like always always following the Lord. And um yeah, the ways that my time in the seminary changed me have have really left
0: a mark. And um yeah, it's beautiful. That's amazing. And like I feel like people can relate to that in, in a lot of ways with the double life you were talking about mm. in college, not only in college, but in every stage of life, I feel some people maybe, um, have like a church life, like Rachel, she's, she's been on this show before and she actually helps out with real faith as well. Okay. Um, she talked about that a lot, like this life, she has this like church sort of persona and then like, Oh, with her buddies yeah, or her sure. friends, you know, and she talks a lot about that. And I think a lot of young people and people in general can relate so much to what you're saying there in terms of that longing for sort of a certain self-standard, right? Um, and you even used the word, what, purify? Mm-hmm. You used the word purify? Yeah, that, and I can relate to that, too, in some regards, sure. right? And when I have, like, a rocky prayer life, mm-hmm. like, when I'm just like, oh, God, what, what am I doing right now, you know? It almost feels like that in some ways. Yeah. And you were... Your major was what? Again, it wasn't a walk in the park. Physics. Physics. Yeah. Like, that's not a walk in the park, you know? You're dealing with all of that, and then, boom, seminary. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. That a change. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. But, yeah, one of the things you just said there, though, like, I think the authenticity,
1: right? Like, we all want to really authentically be who we are and who we're made to be. That's what each of us desires, but there's also this desire for, like, longing, or, sorry, for belonging. Like, we want to belong yeah. in a community, right? And I think often those can seem like they're at odds with each other. You know, mm. if I'm my authentic self and who I really want to be and think I'm called by the Lord to be, then I won't belong. Yeah. And in reality, it's like, well, if I sacrifice who I'm authentically meant to be, then I'm not going to belong anyway because it's not going to be me who's actually there in that community, whatever it is, right? So, yeah, yeah I just think that that's, I mean, going back to what you said, for young people, right, like so important.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I run youth ministry here uh, now at St. Peter and a lot of the kids say that they say you know I I really want to be this Catholic kid right they say that with quotes like the Catholic kid but then like around my friends I don't really act that way so it feels like there's this like disconnect a lot of people are saying that Um, but it, it is difficult it is difficult to when you have that sense of belonging and depending on the crowd you're in but that's awesome It's awesome that you had this, like, sense of a clear vocation, yet you understand that the journey never stops. Mm. So you're constantly sort of, like, following this path that God has for you, which is awesome. And it led you to Biking for Babies. (laughs) That's right, yeah. So what is, explain for the audience, what is Biking for Babies? What is the organization? Yeah, do you think
1: I should say how I got there first? You want me to do that? Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah because i think that just ties in it sort of like flows right it, it flows really right with your journey yeah like. because i so I, I um you know i decided to leave the seminary back earlier this this past spring right so it's october right now and um it was like february march i was kind of making that decision and i gave myself some time before i started looking for work because i had to just kind of process the decision to leave mm-hmm. um and so i basically as soon as i started looking for work i got this email that I, I regularly get emails for about two and a half years at that point from this organization called Biking for Babies that I had heard about at a FOCUS conference at SEEK in Indianapolis in 2019. I signed up for emails because I was interested in what they do. I like to ride, I like, I like to bike, and I'm pro-life and have been active in that since my invasion experience eight years ago. So yeah. it really stuck out. And so I followed them and then, yeah, back in April, I'm just beginning to look for work and I get this email from them from the director and at the very bottom of the email it's kind of like an update on what's going on in the organization and it says god's blessing us with growth and we're looking to hire our second staff member and uh so i i clicked on the link and they were hiring what at the time was called director of philanthropy and so somebody to do fundraising for them and kind of work with the donors and develop relationships with the mission partners is kind of how the terminology we use and I put it aside because I was like, I don't have any business really doing that job. I don't know anything about that sort of stuff. And um, then about a week later, I took it back out. I was like, well, I might as well take another read. So I read it again, and I saw that the application was simply just email Nikki, the director, and let her know you're interested. So I was like, well, that couldn't be any easier. So I'll, <laughs> I'll just email Nikki and see what happens. And. I basically told her what I just said to you. I don't have any experience, but I like to ride and I'm passionate about pro-life stuff. And it started the conversation and it's what kind of led to it. And uh, they eventually offered me the job and it's been good so far to be a part of it for sure. There's definitely a lot of challenges, a lot of opportunities for growth um, and learning for sure. But that's kind of how I got there. I guess the organization itself, right? Like our vision, our vision is a society in which the immeasurable worth and dignity of every single human person is embraced and cherished, right? Mm. And we believe, I believe, that that's possible. That's a reality that we can build and have. Mm. It just takes conversion to get there, right? And so with that as our vision, the way to bring it about, we think, in terms of a long-term transformation is the formation of the next generation of young adults and leaders who will actually lead this country and lead our society and lead our communities, right? So our goal is really to to engage and form young adults to be missionaries to the culture, to actually bring about this transformation wow. by bringing our Lord to to people that they know and wow. also by proclaiming the dignity of the human person from wow. conception onward. And we use cycling kind of as a means to an end right that's our way of that's where of, the biking comes that's from. <laughs> where the biking comes from yeah that's kind of our way of doing it and the we're called biking for babies because uh we started and have continued this way for the past 12 years we were established in 2009 we started basically as a bike ride for two college students who wanted to raise money for pregnancy resource centers like commonly called crisis pregnancy centers we just use the terminology pregnancy resource center and uh so they did that, that first year, 2009, and it was pretty incredible experience for them. So they decided, let's keep doing this and let it grow. So we have been around for 12 years now and and um, have formed like 154 missionaries since then, which is oh my pretty great. Oh gosh, 154. And 154, and we've <sighs> just, just recently this year, uh, where it's sort of being finalized, but we're pretty sure we're, we're gonna pass the $1 million contributed to pregnancy resource centers so that's a big part of what we do is we try to raise awareness for them so that people know about them yeah. and then we fundraise for them and pray for their intentions and it's our missionaries who do all of that
0: wow that is amazing well congratulations Thanks, on this yeah. piece of your journey we know it's not over sure but this yeah. piece of your journey is huge yeah and i loved how you you kind of hinted at the fact of how god sort of moved away all the <laughs> barriers when you said, oh, it can't be easier than just... Nothing's easier than just sending an email, right? Yeah, sure. There's no talking. They just send the email. It's like God, saying, hey, man, this is this is so easy for you. Here's <laughs> this piece of your journey. There's no barriers. I'm That's taking right. them all down. Yeah. And yeah. it's awesome how, like, I mean, I, I can tell you a few examples from my life that that's happened to i mean sure. even recently i'm teaching over at pope john paul the school right next door okay yeah that kind of just fell in my lap you know yeah i went over to the school <clears throat> talked to the principal about how we can collab with youth events next day she's like hey do you want to teach here <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you can't write that stuff yeah, yeah, I, yeah like you can't like it's only through god's you know his providence yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing so Congrats. Congrats, Congrats on that first. And then your your role is sort of mission advancement, right? Yeah, and right. so when you're talking about the 150 something Missionary. missionaries, mm-hmm. that's is that your role to sort of accompany them, scout them out or yeah. walk with them in a way? That's a great
1: question. We so, like I said, I'm I'm only the second staff member, actual mm-hmm. em- employed staff member. So, direct, my director's name is Nikki. She's been with the organization since 2011, but only as the director since 2018, the fall of 2018. Mm-hmm. So, pretty pretty recently in the organization's existence, we have a whole network of volunteers which also work with us on top of whatever jobs they do. Yeah. So we currently have someone who who holds the position of Director of Missionary Formation. Mm. Her name's Sarah, and she's a youth minister, kind of like what you were just describing, but she does it full-time, is her job, yeah. in Alabama at a parish. Wow. And um, so she handles the work of missionary formation to the best of her ability, while trying to also be a youth minister and a mom of two kids. Um, so it's it's a challenging thing. So it's kind of all hands on deck. Yeah. But at the same time we have somebody who specifically does that sort of thing so i guess my my particular role we we changed the title from director of philanthropy to the director of mission advancement because there's just so many components and and it's good when i go into conversations with people to be open to the different ways that somebody might be led to actually partner with us and take part in what we're trying to do mm-hmm. Now, funding is a huge thing that we, we definitely need in order to accomplish goals, but there's other ways people can, can be a part of this as well. And so with that in mind, we thought it'd be better to kind of change the title. So I really, I've just, this is a new area of the country that Biking for Babies has not really been mm-hmm. previously. So a lot of my work is just trying to find people who I think would be passionate about it and then see if there's a chance for us to get together so I can share our mission with them and see where the conversation goes.
0: Yeah. Well, good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you share sort of some of your experience so far with um, sort of encountering people on the way, on the journey? Sure. Yeah. Uh, with this role?
1: Yeah. And what immediately came to mind is uh, it's going to take a little bit of a preface, I think. So, the biking part of Biking for Babies, we set up something called the National Ride. So in July, all of our missionaries are split into teams, and they bike during a a week-long ride between 600 and 850 miles. So about 100 miles a day they're going, or more, across multiple states to raise awareness for these resource centers and to raise money for them. And it's a real component of their formation um, in this experience, which we can kind of touch back on because there's a lot of good stuff to unpack there. But I went on the ride this past year as a support crew member in a car, just to kind of make sure that the riders on one of the routes stay alive, basically, is kind of our task. <laughs> and uh, there was an interaction we had with this woman in, I think it was the middle of Indiana, maybe Illinois, I can't really remember. We were we were going along like a country road, and uh, one of the girls uh, her bike got a flat, she got a flat tire. so. There were 16 of us in this group, five of us in cars, 11 of us on bikes, and this one girl gets a flat, so we all stop and basically like pile onto the front yard of this person's house while we change this flat tire so that we're not in the street, right? And we're all just kind of waiting there. A couple people are working. The rest of us are just sort of standing around. Well, we sort of upset the dogs in the backyard at this woman's house, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so she comes outside and she goes, you know, this is like private property. You can't just be on my front lawn like this. And we say, well, sorry, we're just trying to change this flat tire. We don't want to be in the street. We'll be gone in a couple minutes. So she talks to us for a little bit. We share about what we're doing. She goes back inside. And then a few minutes later, she comes back out and she walks up to one of the girls and she says, I love babies and I want to make a donation to you. And she hands uh, this girl, Shay, one of the riders in our group. A little donation and Shay goes and hands it to me since I'm a staff member so I was kind of like handling some of the money that people <laughs> would give us along the way and um, turns out that this woman her name is Lori. she gave us two dollars and I was really struck by that because it reminds me of that story from the gospel right when our Lord talks about the poor woman who puts in two small coins mm. but she gives all that she had yeah. And uh, those are the kinds of interactions like that was early on in my experience, but just such a profound moment of this woman just giving what she had, which in the long run for, for the organization's like growth and development, $2 doesn't really do a whole lot. But from her, that could have been a huge sacrifice. Yeah. And our Lord knows whatever whatever prompted her to do that, right? He was the one at work. And just so just interactions like that are just really, really beautiful. Wow. And then just a lot of other people along the way since then that I have, yeah, shared this with who have just responded in really beautiful ways because they're avidly, enthusiastically, they care about the dignity of the human person. And um, they like the fact that there's the creativity behind cycling and the combination of that with young adults and forming the next generation, and then also supporting resource centers which help women in need. So it's kind of has this multi-dimensional yeah. approach that people really seem to to take to. At least that's my experience so far. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, you guys have a great mission, a yeah. great why. Um, now, you were in Illinois, you said. Yeah. So how? Where does this take you when you do these bike rides? Good Is question. It all over the country. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. So current. So this past summer we had four different teams of missionaries. So just imagine for a second, you know, just the shape of the Lord's cross right in the center of the country. Mm -hmm. The different legs, if you will, arms of the cross, those are the routes that we took. And we ended in St. Louis, Missouri, which is right at the center of the cross. So we had a route which went from Columbus to St. Louis, another one from Green Bay, Wisconsin, another from Natchez, Mississippi, and then the last one from Holly, Colorado. So in total, about 2,700 miles of the country gets covered by those those routes. And so the missionaries get split up. They start in those cities and they bike for a week and host events along the way at parishes or wherever else we can get an event. And they interact with people on trails and in people's front lawns when you have a flat tire on it, you know, that kind of thing, just all along the way to share this mission and speak about something which people don't often speak about, which is the dignity of the human person and the work of these resource centers. So that's what it was like this past summer. Those four roots, hopefully, hopefully next summer with more growth, uh, we're able to have seven roots instead of four. And eventually we're going to start building like kind of like rays of light coming out from behind the cross. So still ending in St. Louis, but kind of on angles as opposed to just horizontal and vertical roots. But we also have an idea to kind of build one from Columbus, Ohio to Washington, D.C. this coming summer as well. Um, just to kind of incorporate the East Coast, because our goal is to move into all all parts of the country. Yeah. Sort of like a, a, a vision we have is to be the equivalent of the March for Life, but during the summer and on bicycles and all over the country. So like wow. just roads shut down everywhere because there's hundreds or thousands of cyclists all biking for this one common purpose. It would be pretty darn sweet. So got to get there in steps you know
0: yeah yeah i mean you guys are on a great start that was that's awesome that's the fact that you can pull that together on those routes it has to like a logistical nightmare, nightmare. yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, you're not kidding man how does that even like so you have to make sure you have places to stay along the way mm-hmm. parishes that you're gonna go to so it's just a bunch of phone calls and emails huh tons of phone calls and i haven't been a part of it to
1: do that yeah but that's what i've heard i think yeah my director just like just tons and tons of phone calls and coordination, because we're calling places that w- we don't know, and we have no connection to. Yeah. Like they just picked these cities because they thought they'd be good places to start these rides. Yeah, and everything got built from there. So, you know, even in our discussion to get from Columbus to Washington D.C., we've been our organization's kind of been having a little email chain trying to figure out the route, because there are huge gaps for hundreds of miles that we just don't know anybody. Oh, so wow. how do you figure that out? You know, you just pick up the phone and trust the Holy Spirit <laughs> oh <laughs> call people gosh. and hope
0: it works. <laughs> That's awesome. The,
1: yeah, so it's changed a lot over the years. But in the early stages, in the early years, this was really something for like elite athletes did this. Mm-hmm. So in the most intense years, they were biking about 1,200 miles in eight days. So so like long miles And the longest day that I've heard of, which I think is the longest day in existence, was 230 miles. Oh, my gosh. And the reason they had to do that was because the stop that they were going to have, like 115 miles in, contacted them either at that morning or the night before they left and said, Hey, we can't host you anymore. Oh, my gosh. And so so they were like... Well, let's. All right, guys. <laughs> let's keep, let's keep pedaling. Let's do two days worth in one. So they were biking from. I mean, we we leave on the ride as it is now, biking 100 miles a day. Yeah. At like four or five in the morning, we're on the bikes. Yeah. I mean, they were leaving and they were going till sundown. So like that's the kind of stuff that. Yeah, it's it's intense, man. Yeah, I mean,
0: I. I don't feel like driving 230 miles, let alone cycling 230 miles.
1: And that's like multiple days in. Yeah. After you've already biked like three or 400 miles. Wow. Yeah. Well,
0: that's dedication.
1: And (laughs) that's what it is. It's like dedication because they recognize the need, right? These young adults, they recognize the need. They've been fed lies themselves from the culture. And now they recognize like that doesn't satisfy. Only our Lord satisfies. And we want other people to know that. Mm -hmm. and we don't want these women to feel like they're alone and they have no options when they're faced with a pregnancy that is unexpected or whatever the case may be you know traumatic whatever it is yeah like we don't want them to know that they're alone and these young adults are really passionate about that and so they're willing to go and do something which requires quite a bit of sacrifice not just in that ride yeah but the months leading up to it with training and the fundraising and all of this on top of their jobs like they don't leave their jobs or anything like that. They stay where they are and yeah. they just try to add more pieces in. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's a big sacrifice they make. Wow. Good yeah. for them. You know, And for the audience, keep praying for these folks. Heck yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, you, but also everyone in part of it. Because yeah. uh, that takes a lot. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about it in my mind, that's just so much yeah. they have to focus on. I mean, like you just pointed out, you have to train too. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure your body's equipped for that to be on this journey yeah um mentally and physically it's awesome that they're doing this for yeah for this cause yeah great cause so in these in these sort of uh moments you already mentioned the woman who gave the two dollars but do you find that there's a lot of people is it uh more combative or people Hmm. receiving what you're doing you know is there like a way of ministering to people or are there people ministering to you along the way as well sure
1: yeah that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of a hostile environment these days, right, in our culture sure. with regards to this particular issue, right? Yeah. To say the word pro-life means that there's going to be a lot of people who fight you back on it. And um, so I think we do encounter that sort of stuff along the way. But I would say that, and my experience with this is limited with this organization, right? So there's a lot of gaps in what I'm able to, mm-hmm. to say just because I'm so new. And I've only known the missionaries for so long, but I think our approach to what we're trying to do is such that most people will respect it, even if they are pro-choice. Yeah, even if they disagree, they respect it. Because like, I think if you're actually pro-choice, if that's the stance that somebody holds, Mm -hmm. then to really be that way means that you want women to actually have choices. And many of the women who are in these situations of unplanned or unexpected or traumatic pregnancies do not feel like they have any choice in the matter. They mm-hmm. feel like they have no option
0: whatsoever. Different pressures coming at them.
1: All kinds. Yeah. And just their own fears and like the isolation, the abandonment they feel from their families, from the person who is the father of their child, yeah. whether that's a hu- whatever it is, right? And so, you know, if that's their situation, like we're we're helping to support these resource centers so that those women can choose life yeah right so i think there's there's dimensions of what we're doing which are very positive mm-hmm. so it's not like a legislative approach it's not a condemnation approach yeah. it's like a hey we're going to send out these energetic passionate young adults who are on fire with the love of jesus christ to let people know that their dignity is incomprehensible only and only comprehensible to god yeah and that it's profound yeah yeah
0: we talked about it on the show before that, you know, God gave us a choice, right? In a way, if we want to do the political realm, like like pro-choice versus uh, pro-life, I mean, really, the whole conversation is a choice. And it's what we do with the choice. And what you guys are doing is equipping people, right, in yeah. that choice, in that moment where there's, there's a lot of choices that have to be made. And you're right. I mean, equipping people with organizations that provide like support, yeah. mental support, financial support, all this kind of stuff. Around here, we're going to be doing a diaper drive awesome, uh, for the Chester County Women's Services nice. in October and then other drives in the following months. And really it's, it's, it's about being pro-life every stage of, of the life of the child, mm-hmm. right? Not just when they're born right, or pre pre-birth even in the womb all the way through to natural death. Yeah. And that's what's cool about some of these organizations is that's their approach, mm-hmm. right? And when you have a lot of young people that are on fire with their faith, they're living witnesses of how you can be pro-life your entire life and follow people throughout every stage, whether it's yeah. someone who needs a coat for the winter or needs food for the day. Or if a mother's like, hey, I don't know how to pay for diapers when I have this child. Well, here it is, yep. you know? It's very important. Yeah. I, I- appreciate it.
1: I think yeah, you hit something so good too. Like most people, it, when pe- I think when people have an argument or a uh, a bone to pick, I think that's the right terminology, right? Bone to pick, is that right? Yeah. To against pro-lifers, they they tend to think, okay, you're only pro-birth.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Right. In reality, that's like a serious lie, mm-hmm. and they've they've absorbed that somehow. Mm -hmm. And it may not be their fault. Maybe that's all they've actually heard. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: But the reality is that we're not just pro birth, right? We support women and families and children during pregnancy, during birth, after birth, and for years. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's what these centers do, like Chester County women's services and others like them. They don't just abandon them (laughs) once, once they've given birth. And that's partly why, like with our organization, what, when it comes to the pregnancy resource centers we sort of have a, like a double approach we we raise awareness for them and then we try to we pray for them and suffer really for their intentions there's a lot of redemptive suffering that we try to offer and then we 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 raise money for them too yeah but our between the raising money and the raising awareness we think from our perspective it's more important for us to try and raise awareness for them and by awareness i mean have conversations with people who when they think about pro-lifers, they think you're just pro-birth. And then we can say, no, look at look at these centers that we have now developed relationships with. Yeah. Our missionaries know and have visited and say, look, look, this is what they're actually doing. Mm -hmm. And that hopefully over time will change people's hearts and minds and their perspective on the whole thing.
0: Yeah, I wanted to get your perspective on this because a lot of times when people say, oh, you're just pro-birth, they have, like you said, a lot of valid points to that because there's a lot of examples out there of people that maybe are that, right? Or maybe they're very hostile in their approach Mm -hmm. to get their message across. Um, What would be your opinion on how to sort of combat that or is it just pouring out um, great examples of missionaries? Is it just being that witness or is there something you can actively do to sort of combat that from the pro-life side? You know? Yeah,
1: so when you, just to make sure I understand
0: it, you mean like, how do we, so
1: there are people that are just pro-birth or or combative and how do we change them? Is
0: that what you mean? Not only or? change that, but change like, so that it doesn't infiltrate your mission, mm. right? Your, your primary focus. And a lot of times the small voices or that small perspective can have the allowed, sort of uproar and he can take over the mission you know yeah, what i'm saying how, sure. in your opinion how, how do you combat that in a way well
1: I, I mean i think one of the things we're trying to incorporate a little bit more this coming year is john paul ii saint john paul ii wrote an encyclical called evangelium vitae the mm-hmm. gospel of life it's really beautiful encyclical and um you can just see if if any of our listeners have read that or or want to take a look at that there's it's so clear on the pages of that encyclical that St. John Paul II is speaking from a position of love. Mm -hmm. And so what what we're trying to do is develop and form missionaries to really embody that perspective Mm -hmm. of having reverence and love for the dignity of every single human person, Mm -hmm. including the one who is combative. Yeah. Or, yeah, it just has a loud voice for whatever reason, you know. So I don't know if that answers what you're what no, you're going yeah. for, but that's what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah, you're you're focusing on love, yeah, right? and that's in you know whatever the spectrum is, mm-hmm. right? Focus on love and dignity of a human person, no matter what. And I think that that's a good lesson for those who maybe feel emotional because this is an emotional topic, no doubt, mm-hmm. politically but also personally. Um, it's it's an emotional topic, and with that you can stir up some actions that may not be so loving, Sure, right? Um, I think it's just important for people to be that example. And I wanted to get your opinion on that because that's what a lot of people struggle with that when they're saying, you know, I don't know if I want to be pro-choice or pro-life or because, you know, if I I saw on the news these people with signs and Mm -hmm. yelling at women, you know, that can kind of take over. And we know, you and I know that's a lie, right? It's not the majority of what's going on, right? So I think empathy's a big thing, too, right? That's like, another one, yeah. You know,
1: trying to understand where a person comes from yeah. and really try to take their perspective. That doesn't mean that you encourage whatever their perspective is. It's just a matter of trying to understand it so as to better communicate with somebody and yeah. love that person. Um, yeah, because they have dignity, whoever they are and whatever their stance is. And if I can better understand that and why they think the way that they do, then I can better love them. Yeah, and and hopefully help to lead them towards our Lord and towards the truth and towards goodness. You know.
0: Yeah, for sure. Wow, I loved everything you said so far. <laughs> this is good stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So where does this journey take you next? Like, where do you think, like, you know, yourself in the Biking for Babies organization? You already touched on sort of being nationwide and being filling out that cross that you were talking about and the light. Yeah. Um, where do you think? Where do you see yourself next with this?
1: Man, that's a good question. I uh to be honest with you, I don't I haven't thought a whole lot about it mainly because it's been such a such a a uh a a transition like an earth-shattering kind of a transition leaving the seminary. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like actually just yeah. so sort of being where I am yeah. has been enough for right now. Yeah. Then to think about where it'll go from here, I think I just hope to like continue to grow in my relationship with the lord as i do this work and lead other people towards him and just sort of yeah grow this to the point where more people know about it Mm -hmm. and are able to partake and participate in it
0: yeah that's a great answer surrendering surrendering it all to the lord Mm -hmm. right and where i mean the lord led you here right honestly that that story right there it's not by coincidence the lord led you here that's right and that's just awesome. Surrendering, I, I I would agree. My path too. Surrendering it to the Lord and seeing what He wants me to do uh, with the tools He gave me, and you know, we both are educated. Like we can use that. Yeah. You know, that's sure. awesome. Yeah. What um sort of last thoughts? Okay. What uh what do you want to leave the audience with here as we move forward?
1: Yeah. I I want to leave our audience, I think, with just this. Just a statement, really, that they just know that they're loved, that they're beloved by the Father. Like, that's the most core identity that all of us have, is that we are God's beloved. Yeah. And that when we really come to know that and accept that deep within our heart, yeah. and that that statement that that the Father spoke to our Lord at his baptism, we're like, you're my, you're my beloved son, When we can hear that and know that and believe it and receive it into us it just like, man, it, it opens up life in a whole new way. And so I, I guess that's like what I would say to our listeners. like you, And I am saying that to you listeners, <laughs> right? Like you're saying it right now. Yeah. You are beloved by God. Yeah. You are His beloved. And you need to know that in the depths of your heart. Well, that was a real
0: answer for Real Faith Conversations. Amen, brother. <laughs> I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Thank you, Chris for coming on to the show. I, I hope to have you back. This, this is an awesome conversation. We didn't get to touch base on some of those little stories because we were focused on biking for babies, which is great to focus on. But I'd love to talk more about your journey and see where you go in the future. So if anybody wants to come on to the show like Chris has, email media at Saintpeterchurch.net. That is media at Come on to the show. We'll talk about a topic. Chris seemed like he had a lot of fun. I had too. a lot of great things to say, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time.